Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to your second GCSE Revision Pod of the day. We are now going to look at question three. The la- for AQA, AQA language, language paper, paper two. two. Absolutely. If you missed our earlier podcast, which was on question two, I would wholeheartedly recommend that you go back and listen to that one now, as that will give you a good grounding of the text we're going to look at, but if you haven't done that, we are going to give it a quick overview again. Aren't yeah, we? I mean, a really quick thing to remember, AQA Language Paper 2 is two non-fiction texts. Yeah. It is more challenging than Paper 1 because there is much more to read. So I would spend a significant amount of time, 10 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes, reading these texts. Yeah. So you've got to understand them. Just as we said um, in the last episode as well, remember there is a summary of what the text is about at the top of the source. Make sure you read that first so you know what you're looking for before you actually read it. Yeah. Next one to remember, the paper is called Writer's Viewpoints and Perspectives. So you are looking for what's the writer's opinions about the thing they're writing about. Mm. These are non-fiction texts and you've got to make sure that that's what the focus is. What is the writer's perspective on whatever they're writing about? But there is some good news now we've got to question three because question three in Language Paper 2 is actually something you have done before. And it's essentially exactly the same as question number two in Language Paper 1, which you may have done earlier this week, right? The skills are pretty much exactly the same here. Be careful, though. Often this is harder than Question 2 on Language Paper 1 because it's a non-fiction source. Mm. So sometimes you get a brilliant source with loads of similes and metaphors because those are, of course, the easiest things to analyse. But often they can be a bit drier. So there's a bit of luck here. So... Um, obviously, the, 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 the go-to things that we normally analyse when we're doing language analysis, as you'll know from our literature podcasts, are, of course, the connotations of words, mm. what words make you think of, similes, metaphors, personification. Because that, those figurative language is so easy to analyse. You say, why did the writer use that metaphor? What did they compare Mr Galley to? Why did they say that his eyes are like diamonds and his chin is like a chiselled... <laughs> his not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, we can say, why did the writer make these decisions? Yeah. And it forces you to go into detail. But the danger is, of course, if you get a really difficult and slightly drier text, Mm. you might have to be more imaginative in what you're analysing. Yeah. So there is a full list of things you could analyse on page five of your pack. But I personally would focus, as I said, on figurative language, similes, metaphors, personification, Mm. and the connotations of words. Because there will be something in there that the writer has said. You know, they they won't give you something that's just completely devoid of any kind of... um, so any kind of thing that you can analyse. So you might have to look carefully, but there will be stuff in there. Yeah. And again, um, this is where, if we turn to page six, 
um, you might want to think about how to structure an answer. We are talking, of course, about the pack which we have put in the bio of this podcast that you can download. Mr. Forster's English Language Paper 2 pack. The kitten pack, the kitten pack. Known. If you haven't got that already, now would be a good time to go and download it so you know what we're talking about. The link is in the bio of the podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, sometimes some people are saying you, ha- you can't click on it. You have to actually paste it into yeah. a web browser. Absolutely. Right, hopefully you're back now with the pack in hand. So get that kit pack open to page six. Um, One quick note, as we said with language paper one, question two, I would avoid analysing sentences. Yeah. I think no one, I've not read many students who do this effectively. Mm. I've read about one student that I've taught who's said something effective about a sentence. So I would focus on a word level analysis, the connotations of words, of similes, of metaphors, of personification, and how this links to the writer's purpose. What are they trying to argue, get across? What are they trying to persuade us of? And as an example of this, maybe we should now send you into the task. Well, before, should we talk about the structure first on page six, and then we'll look at the task? So, um, uh, page six says. Um, I would answer question three by having a topic sentence mm-hmm. which focuses on um, a language technique and answers the question. So the writer's use of metaphors, similes, um, or something about um, the, uh, the way in which something's described. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would get a few embedded and contextualised examples. So, for example, you might quote one or two similes here yep. or an extended metaphor. Yep. Um, embedded means putting it in full sentences, just like we did on the literature. And again, you'll see examples in your pack. I'd then zoom in on certain words in the example and try to dis- to engage with what was the writer trying to emphasise? Why did they choose these words? What are the connotations of these words? And, of course, link that back to the question. Yeah. Go into more detail about what they're trying to get across. Perhaps link in further quotations, if that's relevant. Mm-hmm. And then finish by evaluating what this shows about the writer's purpose. A-T-F-Q. Mm-hmm. So, should we look at an example now to, yeah, to, 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 so. to get this working? Um, on page 9 and page 10, we'll go back to the same... Um, uh, paper that we used last episode mm-hmm. um, these are the two sources on Aberfan the mining disaster and the minor earthquake in London so if you haven't read those you weren't with us for the last podcast I'd recommend that you go and do that first anyway but if you haven't now would be a good time to read through both of those a sources great time all right welcome all right. back we hope you now have got yourself up to date with the two sources let's turn over to page 11 and have a look at the question then. so what's the question Mr Galley? You now need to refer only to source A from lines 27 to 40. How does the writer use language to describe the coal tips? So first thing looking at that question, um, we're looking at source A. I have seen students look at the wrong source. Yeah. And you are penalised quite heavily for that. I believe you're maxed out at level two. I think so, yeah. Um, I've also seen students look at quotations from the wrong lines. Again, you're maxed out at level two. So the best mark you can get is six out of 12. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not great for you. Important to uh, important to not make that so, simple error. So what I do to force myself not to make that error is I draw like a little arrow in the margin around the bits that I'm looking at. So I go to source A now and I draw an arrow next to line 27 mm-hmm. and an arrow next to line 40. Yep. I'd then only be looking at Give these. yourself a nice visual reference of what you're talking about. I then reread this little extract and as I'm reading through I'd look in particularly with sharp eyes yep. for metaphors, similes and personification because those are always the easiest things to analyse. So how about I read through that section and you jump in when oh, you think there's yeah, something worth, that worth picking up. fabulous. Remember Mr Galley, lines 27 to 40. Don't read the wrong bit. Oh, well, that would be, uh, that would be a disaster. Okay. On the mountain above Aberfan, there were seven such tips. The evening sun sank early behind them. 
To some of the younger generation, they had always been there, as though dumped by the hand of God. I'm going to stop you right there. I thought you might. That that's that description there. That um, that simply saying, as though dumped by the hand of God. Now, there's so much you can do with it. It's so there? interesting. So let's start by looking at the 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 implications of this. So on a simple level, so often when we look at quotations, you want to analyze them on more than one level. Yeah. On a simple level, the idea that they were they were left there, these coal tips, these these these. Um, the, mountains these, of mine these mountains waste. Mountains of, of mine waste mm. were left there by God implies that actually <coughs> that, that they were somehow beyond the power of the villagers. Yeah. Um, placed there by a divine power. And yet the verb dumped mm. sets up this quite disturbing suggestion. That it was done carelessly. That it was done carelessly without any, any, any thought. So they are at once, these cultips, they are both insanely powerful as if they have some kind of divine godlike presence but also there's this sense of recklessness and carelessness in the way they're put there and to analyze this on a deeper level i'd then go on to say that what is most disturbing is what's not said here because of course the truth is they were not dumped there by the hand of god but by a mining corporation yeah. therefore what this metaphor does is it overlooks this simile. it's this simile sorry mm. this, it overlooks this the the real agency behind this disaster which is of course the mining company seeking to save money mm. By simply dumping the mining waste above the town. Right. Anyway, should we carry on reading? They could be seen from the school windows, immediately below them, rising like black pyramids in the western sky. Now we've got a real simile there that we've got to talk about. Mm. Black pyramids. So remember, when you analyse a simile, don't just say he uses a simile to have an effect on the reader. No. We've got to say, why does he use that simile? So let's think about the connotations of black pyramids. The pyramids were, of course, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Right. So the, the idea of the, the coal tips being described as black pyramids suggests that, just like this description of them being dumped by the hand of God... Mm implies they are these huge, impressive creations that, again, seem almost mystical. And, of course, all of this is foreshadowing the terrible event that's going to happen, yes. right? The way that the writer's describing the pyramids is to build them up as these incredibly impressive and terrifying structures and also to foreshadow the, the disastrous and terrible things that they're going to do. And specifically here, I'd look at another interpretation of this simile, which is that they are black. The pyramids were, of course, not black in Egypt. And moreover, pyramids were created as the tombs for pharaohs. So yeah. what this simile contains within it is this worrying notion that, of course, these cultips will ultimately become the tombs for these poor school children. Mm. So what you've got there is real detailed analysis of that simile. Let's carry on. But they were not as solid as they looked. It was known that several had moved in the past, inching ominously down the mountain. Again, that, 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 that word inching and ominously. Um, we'll pick up on these when we read the next quotation the next, in the next paragraph. What was not known, however, was that the newest tip, number seven, was a killer with a rotten heart. So what's going on there? Well, we've got this metaphorical personification, really, of the... Um... Well, personification is a type of metaphor. Absolutely. So you've got the... the mountain of coal this black pyramid described as a killer right with a rotten heart so obviously it's personified in the sense that it's alive both by the fact that it has a heart but also by the fact of being a killer almost as if the writer wants us to imagine that this terrible event was almost malevolent as if there was almost some kind of deliberate action taken yeah. by these horrible um we see this also in, 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 in the word in the word inching with the suggestion therefore of it creeping up on the school children yeah um and the idea of the rotten heart is perhaps also very disturbing in the sense that the metaphor engages with with how of course it was precisely the the uns, the instability in the mound mm. the, the rotten heart if you will that led to the the tip so once mm. the personification both 
describes it almost as if it's a serial killer, a murderer creeping up on the children, but also engages with the real reason that it collapsed. Yeah, so again, you've got two ways that you could go with that. So um, I think we'll stop there, because I think you've yeah. got plenty, really, to be writing about. And let's look at a quick model answer of how we can turn that into a paragraph. So if we turn now back to... Um, page 15? To, no, 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 we'll go back to page 6. Oh, OK. Because um, then we can follow our little plan what we've got. So, uh, okay. so remember, we'll have a topic sentence that picks out a technique and f- answers the effing question, the full question, mm-hmm. that is. We never swear, we would never condone swearing no, on this there's, podcast. There's Mr. a little button you have to tick you have to if you explicit content. Well, we don't want to tick that. And I never want to tick that no, box, no. No, um, Then we get some quotations. Then we zoom in on some words and the connotations of them and what the writer was trying to emphasise. We go into more detail, we perhaps link in further evidence, and then we evaluate what does this show about the writer's purpose. Mm. So let's look at this. Um, topic sentence. The writer initially uses similes to emphasise the sinister appearance of the coaltips. Yeah. Straight away, it's specific. Avoid being the person that says the writer uses many language techniques. Mm-hmm. That's always too vague. Be precise. What is the, what are they saying? About... And here you've nicely said what the writer does and why he does it. Because he wants them to appear sinister and he's used similes in order yeah. to achieve that. And then we look at some quotations. Lee describes, for example, how to the younger generation they'd always been there as though dumped by the hand of God before comparing them to black pyramids rising in the western sky. Then we analyse it. Uh-huh. Here, the verb dumped, along with the noun phrase black pyramids, depicts both the haphazard way in which the mining waste has been left, along with the, comico- the conical appearance and colour of the coal tips themselves. Right. Then what does like conical a, mean? Like a cone. Like a cone. Um, yet perhaps more significantly, in the figurative idea of it being the hand of God rather than a mining corporation that was responsible for this blight on the Welsh landscape, there is a suggestion also that the impending disaster was somehow preordained. That means like planned mm. and part of their fate. Indeed, this also ties in with the connotations of black pyramids, for there is something ominous in both the colour itself and in the association of the coaltips with those monuments for Egyptian pharaohs. This is because the pyramids were, of course, not only a wonder of the ancient world, but also tombs. Good. This is a great example of saying a lot about a little. Yeah. Don't just say they're compared to pyramids. Say, why are they compared to pyramids? Uh-huh. Lee thus ironically implies that the coal tips were a wonder of this small Welsh mining village, whilst equally setting up the worrying idea that the landslide would ultimately make Tip 7, like the pyramids, a tomb for the hundred children from Pantlask Junior School who would be smothered by that wave of stupefying filth as it fell upon the village. So really qu- quite a lot of quite high-level analysis in there. We don't want you to be put off by that, of course, and actually, you don't have to be analysing at that level to do very well. No, and this would be this would be four marks, whereas actually, you can get a grade seven simply by getting into the bottom of, of level four. But what we hope we're getting across is that that's the kind of language we want you to engage with. Stretch your vocabulary when you unpack how that language is working. Keep it focused about what the writer's doing. You could have you could have thought for yourselves, right? That hand of God. What could that imply? You know, that implies that sort of something has been done there's maybe a kind of element of fate in here maybe that there's something huge and disastrous like an almost biblical disaster was going to happen great that's all you've got to think about really and then if you put it together stretching your vocabulary not saying things in the easiest way saying them in the the best way that you can and keep it linked to the question you will be absolutely fine and here's the last thing that i would say remember it's a lot about a little yeah and the most important words i say connotations is a really useful word to use explain what connotations that metaphor have why what, what associations did it have and why does the writer then therefore use that image yep um that is, uh, that, I think that's all we need to say. Uh, there is, of course, an example for you to have a go at now. So if you turn to page 20 th- 21 to 23, there's another paper on the two fairs. Yep. And there's a question saying, um, looking from 19 to the end, 
how does Dickens um, uh, how does Dickens use language to make you the reader feel part of the fair right so take everything we've given you exactly the same as the last podcast take everything we've given you today have a go at your own one and that will give you a really nice bit of practice and again yeah? just like before you'll find model answers in the pack page 25 you'll find a model answer for that where you can uh, sorry page 27 mm-hmm. you'll find a model answer that will talk you through and have a look at what you could have written but again here's my top tip do not worry about the amount you are writing you could write you could get full marks with one paragraph yeah. if it's detailed much better to have a detailed paragraph analysing two or three quotations in loads of detail yeah. than three paragraphs where you waste your time because do not spend longer on this question really than 20 minutes and even 20 minutes might be a bit overkill yeah. so 15 to 20 minutes maximum because you need to make sure you've left time for question four and question five if you're doing it in this order absolutely and we will be returning tomorrow with our podcast about question four and question five uh, to help you through those so we hope you've enjoyed today's editions on question two and question number three make sure you've downloaded the pack as we've said contact us on twitter at g revision pods and you can email us at englishrevisionpod at gmail.com and last word please you revise for English language actively by doing things Mm. Um, you need to be having a go at some papers and there's some included in this pack excellent we will see you tomorrow